people need ordering principles. Twelve rules. Hello and welcome to Twelve Rules for What. This is a podcast about fascism, anti-fascism, and the far right. My name is Alex, your host for this episode. Um, before we begin, just a reminder about our Patreon. You can sign up at patreon.com slash 12 rules for what and you can sign up for as little as $2 a month and it supports the show, paying our various hosting fees, travelling for events, other expenses as well. Today we're going to be going by anti-fascist activist Pavel who's going to update us on the Lena E trial which you may have seen in the news a couple of months ago, it's just gone to appeal and we'll find out all about the details about the trial and what kind of solidarity work you can do. We'll also be covering other stuff to do with Germany including the Reichsberger movement and the rise and continued um, existence of the AFD. But now, on with the show. Hi, Pavel, how are you? Hello, I'm uh, I'm great. Thanks for having me. Um, so I, I guess we're a bit late getting to it, but also kind of not really, because the legal process, from what I understand, is still going on. We have to have an appeal before any sentence is fully enacted. Um, but this happened a couple of months ago, uh, anti-fascist called Lena E and four of her comrades, three of her other comrades were um, on trial for um, leading a criminal organisation or being a member of a criminal like, criminal organisation and for carrying out, so the state alleges, um, attacks against far-right um, neo-Nazis in, in Germany. Um, for those who aren't familiar, who haven't been following the trial, could you just get us up to speed on the on the details of the case? Yeah, of course. Um, well, uh, in on um, uh, on fifth of November twenty twenty, uh, there was a big raid happening in um, East Germany, in uh, Leipzig, and some other cities, um, and uh, different objects, so different houses and everything, were uh, raided by the police, and um, Lina E and um, some other comrades were arrested. Um, by the police, uh, Lina E was flown out by a helicopter. There's a very, very um, um, a picture of her being um, escorted by police out of the helicopter to the federal prosecutor, which was uh, circulated by media uh, later that day. Um, and they were arrested on um, charges of uh, of uh, building uh, or being part of a criminal organization. And um, in connection with uh, like attacking neo Nazis and fascists, like uh, it's it's similar to I think um, uh, what, what's it called GBH, great bodily grave bodily harm, great bodily harm or something like that in England. Yeah, um, that, I think that would be uh, the the um, English equivalent to that. And um, the state alleged that uh, Lina E was the leader of a group of anti-fascists um, that uh, were carrying out attacks on um, far-right activists, on fascists, on neo-Nazis. Um, they say they were responsible for five attacks with uh, 13 victims. And um, yeah, that was that was the case. Um, it took, I, th- I think, two and a half years. And... Um, the first, the the case officially, the 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 hearing of the case ended a couple of um, weeks ago, but uh, as you said, it's not official that uh, this is the 
uh, end sentence because there's still uh, the possibility for um, the uh, for the defense uh, and the prosecution to um, go into revision so that a higher court, uh, if I understand it correctly, can um, will have to look over how evidence was handled, if it was handled correctly, if the all the um, if if the court basically um, did everything right, and uh, if they say yeah the court did everything right, then that's the end, uh, that's the official sentence, and um, if they say no there were mistakes, then um, it all basically starts from the beginning. From my from my understanding and from what I've read, the the case kind of hinges on the. I suppose the preparedness for attacks on neo-Nazis, like the planning that went into it, details of the case, including uh, the use of burner phones and, and other kinds of like, almost like command structures. They kind of implying that everyone has a defined role within the group. And there's a kind of an implication of a level of organisation that I suppose is meant to kind of evoke the the kind of past histories of a kind of leftist terror, terror cells or leftist militant groups in Germany, in West Germany, in East Germany in the past, um, you know, thinking particularly of the Red Army faction as, as one primary example. How, like, how much is this used in Germany against um, the left, you know, like designations of terrorist organizations and this kind of thing? Um, well, uh, so, so I just want to add a couple of things um, to, to what you said before. Um, there, it, it's right. Uh, the, the case was. Uh, not built on concrete evidence, like they didn't um, call any of of the uh, of those people um, like in the act uh, beating up a Nazi or something. Um, it's based on um, indicators, um, like when they raided uh, Lina's house, they found um, I don't know a passport, they found phones, they found a hammer, um, they found burner phones, as you said, uh, with um, registered on fake names um, and um, the other major evidence that they had was um, by a traitor um, so one of the members of the of this um, group um, ratted to the police um, he I mean the, they they had days where they interviewed him and pages of his uh, testimony um, so the thing with him was uh, was that he was he got kicked out of the group uh, I think before trial um, and um, he, he what what some people in his defense say that he was left alone by the group but the thing is he was uh, kicked out because uh, he did sexual uh, sexual violence uh, there was a case of sexual violence done by him against uh, another person um, and as a consequence of that, he was kicked out. And um, yeah, so, some people in there was a big discussion in Germany and the German left um, that um, this was th this was taken as an excuse for him to rat on his comrades. Um, and he is now in protective custody, not protective custody, but like um, yeah, witness protection. Um, so he has a new identity. Um, he, he's gotten everything basically um, in exchange for you know betraying his comrades, uh, ratting on them, 
and um, giving the prosecution major, major evidence, um, which they before they didn't have. They again, they only had uh, indicators. They only had uh, they didn't have concrete evidence. And um, yeah, he, he changed that. Um, but the, the 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 question that you asked me is that I want I want to answer it like this: that over the last couple of years, um, there has been an increase in um, repression against leftists in Germany. Um, it's part there's um I think it was uh, like during during the uh, Red Army faction times that um, a new law was no, new criminal law was passed in Germany um, and there was so they, they added um, something into the criminal law which was the uh, paragraph 129 a and B a was um, the creation of a criminal organization and B was the creation of a terrorist organization and over the last um, there have been cases before where leftists have leftists have been investigated or it's mostly investigation honestly but uh, investigated based on this case that they uh, have founded a criminal uh, organization um, but in the last I'd say three years there have been more again more cases against um, different uh, organizations um, um, in all over Germany and um, yeah it's uh, it's really shows that the state is trying to criminalize anti-fascists and try to frame is trying to frame them as um, criminals, as people who who are um, building uh, criminal organizations and that what they do is um, criminal. Um, yeah, and it seems to me that kind of central to a lot of these a lot of this repression and a lot of the kind of state kind of tactics and strategy when it comes to um, groups that challenge, you know, the fundamental foundation, the foundations of upon which modern Germany is founded. Um, we're talking, you know, about this federal office for the protection of the constitution, which takes like a, an almost, you know, anti-extremism approach. Like it's, it was, it's set up to kind of guard against Nazism, supposedly guard against Nazism, neo-Nazism, far right but it takes this counter extremist approach which means that anything that you know anything that questions the you know the german constitution or the way german society is fundamentally structured become like starts to you know become into its come into its orbit in in many ways and so you know it feels like to me from the outside looking in that you know it's like it's a kind of management of these so-called extremist in quotes groups rather than any kind of particular anti-nazi or anti kind of uh, anti, yeah, anti-Nazi approach. Yeah, it's um, the the thing with, um, uh, well, in Germany, it's called Bundesverfassungsschutz, which as you, uh, it sounds really, really weird in English, but it's translated correctly, the Federal Agency for the Protection of the Constitution. Uh, and that's like the, the main task that it supposedly has is to protect the German constitution against you know all threats, um, and but it it has mainly the role of the of um, like in country secret service. Uh, I think the the equivalent in England would be the MI five, um, 
and it's it's a spy agency basically and um that i mean there's it's it has a really long history um it, i mean the, the, it was founded by uh nazis by um people who were um who were in who were fighting in world war Two. uh i think it was um the, the galen uh i don't know what his first name was but um he was if i'm not mistaken here he was the chief of the espionage on the east front for the germans um and so he uh, was spying on the soviets basically and um before the war ended he um hit a lot of documents um on like soviet espionage um and uh, when the war ended he um he went to the allies and um gave them the documents and uh was he got a reduced sentence or something but he was um he and of course other different other nazis and uh, fascists they built the uh verfassungsschutz and different other state institutions in west germany and uh, there's been a long i mean i think until the 70s or 80s the verfassungsschutz was uh headed by uh, people who were active neo-nazis who were fighting in world war ii who were part of the uh, nazi party and um they it's it's really really astonishing how like how much continuously this um this uh, institution has with in regards to to uh, fascism and supporting fascists supporting fascist structures because for example there in um in the 2000s i think until 2009 there was a um, series of uh, murders in germany um and in 2009 it was uh it it became clear that these murders i think nine or ten people that were killed were done by a group uh, a trio of uh neo-nazis uh it was the national socialist underground the nsu and um if if um the and this this um group was surrounded by people who were paid by the Verfassungsschutz um, to be informants, basically. And the Verfassungsschutz, they, they had all the informations on this group, um, but for nine, ten years, um, no one in the Verfassungsschutz really came forward or said anything about um, these murders being connected to a neo-Nazi terror group. Uh, they kept quiet. They continued supporting them, and um, after all of this was uncovered, uh, it became clear that uh, the role of the Verfassungsschutz was huge, and this group wouldn't uh, have been able to do what they did if it weren't for the help uh, and for the support of the Verfassungsschutz. They were supporting them mostly indirectly with uh, money uh, through uh, informants um these informants they um they had access to uh informations that which they passed on um and uh that one i mean it's it's wild and you know it's you can you can really 
make a whole episode on this itself. But uh, I just want to say one thing that really highlights this, um, or maybe one or two things. But one thing in this NSU case was that at one place where um, they uh, where the NSU killed uh, a person, uh, at the same time, I think it was like an internet cafe or something, um, at the same time uh, which they killed someone, a person working for the Verfassungsschutz uh, was in that cafe. And he claims he didn't see anything. And it wasn't like, I think it wasn't like a, you know, a foot soldier, so to say, but it was like a higher, more higher up um, person uh, who, who later claimed he didn't witness anything. He didn't hear a gunshot. He didn't see the dead body, which was lying uh, basically like half a meter next to him. Um, and uh, he, he, he didn't see anyone coming in, anyone leaving. Um, and, and it's wild. And these people get no consequences. And uh, until this day, the um, case files that the NSU, that the Verfassungsschutz uh, has on the NSU are still sealed. And they're still, they are sealed for, I think, like 120 years. And there's, um, there's still no justice. Uh, of course, the, the, um, two, of the two of the people uh, from the NSU, they blew themselves up. But uh, the third one, Beate Zschäpe, she was imprisoned for, I, don't, I think, like 15 years or so. But the rest, there's, there's no, the investigation stopped there. There was no, no real justice, no inquiry into the, um, the um, men in the background. Um, no, no one officially knows what the role of the Verfassungsschutz was. And um, all of this, for example, Uh, is still being blocked by uh, the government and by government parties um, and by parties like, for example, uh, the Greens in um, in uh, Saxony, I think. Um, so yeah, this this is this is just like to show that the Verfassungsschutz, which which officially has the role to protect the German constitution against all all of uh, all kinds of threats left-wing extremism, right-wing extremism, blah, 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 um, or outside actors, is really just an uh, institution which, um, it's, it's like a shadow institution for uh, fascists and neo-Nazis uh, who, you know, they, they do their thing. Uh, they, and they support uh, militant fascists, they support terror cells, uh, and of course they as fascists they um they mostly spy on leftists just like just the very fact if you're if you're paying informants in a members of a group to be informants and then don't use the information you're getting to suppress that group or making an intervention when that group starts murdering people then you're just giving that group money uh, and letting them get away with cro like murders basically so in that just in that one very small example without any without any of the documents we have anything else that's all been sealed away we can see how this has happened and I, i guess i guess we'd like to ask a kind of maybe a more wider more historical question uh particularly about the founding of of west germany uh, in that from my reading about it it seems that there's a kind of almost a in the post-war immediate post-war period it's almost a, a generational forgetting about nazism like there's a kind of almost public contrition, contrition for the Holocaust, contrition for the repression of 
all different kinds of people and the mass murder and genocide that took place. But there's also kind of amnesty that took place as well. And in that once, once people kind of think about the Nuremberg trials and see that as a, a prominent piece of justice that happened and ignore the kind of many, many functionaries and minor and major officials of the Nazi state that were kind of given prison sentences and, and then or not and then incorporated back into the capitalist bourgeois state um, within, you know, 10 years, you know. And so I just wondered, like, you know, you're, I know you're a kind of younger person, you're from a younger generation, but in Germany, how does this kind of generational, is there like a generational divide around these matters? How does it kind of play out, um, considering obviously Germany, Germany's past with um, World War II and the Nazis and the Holocaust? Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't, uh, obviously I didn't uh, experience World War II or like I didn't live uh, in the immediate uh, years after that, but um, yeah, <laughs> but I mean it, it's. Um, I think it played a major role in like the um, '68 movement. Um, the that this the generation which um, took to the streets in like '68. Um, I think they had the biggest divide with their parent generation. Because they, they were the generation um, that came after they was born, maybe after or like late in the uh, in the war, um, and they, um, I think, a lot of them were when they took to the streets. They were also fueled by, um, you know, the the anger on uh, about their their parents and their parents' behavior um, or what what the what this. Uh, their their parent generation has uh, has done. Um, that's that I think. But you know, it's uh, especially in in West Germany, it's uh, you can't really speak of uh, denazification. Um, there, after the war, most of the Nazis, most of the people that served in the German state. Uh, that were responsible for horrible crimes and atrocities, uh, they um, kept their posts. And um, it's I mean, there, there's a countless statistics and examples where um, Nazis, where Wehrmacht officials or SS uh, people, they uh, you know became uh, head of police departments, or um, you know they they built the Verfassungsschutz, they built the army. They became uh, they they stayed judges for example, um, or um, the the one guy who became head of uh, NATO for example, he he was a Nazi. He served in in, in World War Two. He became head of NATO. Uh, it's or you know they or they went to uh, the U.S. and uh, worked for NASA or something. Um, but after. I think after like 68 and I think because of uh, that there, there, there hasn't really been uh, like that, that they didn't really work on what, what happened. Uh, it's in, I think in a lot of families, uh, it's just, you know, oh, we don't speak about that mm -hmm. or, um, you know, yeah, grandpa, he was uh he was drafted um 
for, I, I can say, for example, from from my um, uh, from my family background, uh, half of my family is German, and um, three of uh, three brothers of my grandma, they were all in uh, the Wehrmacht, um, and uh, I mean, it's it's I, I I knew that, but it's not something that a lot of families often talk about or and I, I, I mean for in the generation that I am in it's uh, difficult because a lot of you know the elderly um, our grandparents so to say they are old and uh, a lot of them have already died or you know are sick or are in the process of dying um, or it's it's really difficult to to speak about that topic um to uh reflect on that um i forgot my point Sorry. yeah i think you just said your point just at the end there it's really difficult to to come back to that those, those things um just bringing it back to lena e and then we'll we'll move on to some other stuff um so the, the process the, the trial is going to go to appeal and then once the appeals concluded if it's a guilty verdict if the conviction is upheld then Lena and her comrades will be sent to prison, I think Lena for a maximum of three years because she's already spent so long in, in custody on remand, which is obviously pre-trial detention. Um, is there, what kind of solidarity efforts do you think is appropriate in this situation? How can anti-fascists in the UK and, and elsewhere support anti-fascists in Germany as they face this attack on, on their organising? Um. I think um, in, in Germany we saw a great uh, effort in uh, showing solidarity by um, all kinds of leftists. Uh, I mean, of course, like uh, in every country, leftists uh, hate each other the most. Um, but in this case, um, since the beginning, since day one, there was a really, really, really big effort in showing solidarity, um, a huge solidarity campaign uh, where money was um, was uh, gathered, um, there were big protests, uh, a lot of solidarity actions, um, discussions, uh, presentations, um, and that over a really long, like over two years, three years. Um, and I think, uh, I mean, it's it's of course it's difficult to um, to really. Um, create something or do something that changes the mind or like changes the, the trajectory of how this case is going uh, from the outside and even in Germany itself. But uh, I think it's always important to um, do some you know, practical solidarity actions, um, even if it's just a, just a picture with, um, with a group uh, holding up a banner or something. Uh, solidarity message uh, is always um, greatly um uh, appreciated and I think especially for um, the group itself uh, not just not just for the movement in Germany to see that uh, anti-fascists from um, different countries um, you know show solidarity but for the group itself it's really important to see that uh, their case is being seen um, and uh, is being valued so high that uh, people from other countries are doing actions, um, discussing it, talking about it, uh, and are standing together with them. Uh, I think that's... Um, and, you, of course, you can always uh, write uh, postcards 
um, to them, uh, which is always uh, which you should always do uh, write to political prisoners. But yeah, I think something like this, um, uh, the people really appreciate this. Cool. Um, thanks. Uh, and we'll put any kind of information we can find about supporting or sending postcard letters in the in the show notes for this episode. Um, so you can have a look there and and see what's going on. Um, moving on now to to other stuff because I mean there's a lot going on in Germany and we could do, you know, we could do like an episode about like a lot of these questions I'm going to ask and we're going to briefly cover. But I think it's good to get some discussion on it now. Um, the AFD, the Alternative for Deutschland, um, which is kind of I suppose the leading far right electoralist party. Um, in Germany, has had its ups and downs since it was been founded in 2013. You know, it kind of very recently lost um, or came fifth in federal elections, um, but has picked up quite a lot over the pandemic and with discontent at the coalition, uh, the government, which is in a, in a coalition at the moment. Um, what is the kind of resentments that the AFD is, is feeding off and how likely are the other parties going to allow them into, into government? Do you think? Yeah, I think um, the the question of um, the um, success of the AFD is um, really something where you have to understand the situation in Germany. Um, the you know because I think the the success of the AFD comes from um, the uh, how do I say it um, the situation that the people in Germany are or a lot of people in Germany are unhappy because they're for example they're or not for example but like as one major uh, point their standard of living has has been going down for a long time um, there's a um, there's a always there's that in, in Germany it's it's a thing that West Germans always say or all or, or <clears throat> In West Germany, the, a lot of people say, "Ah, uh, all the East Germans, they are they are Nazis," and um, you know, it's it's obviously not true. Uh, but there there is a point to be made that um, in East Germany, um, fascist organizations are much stronger uh, and much bigger. And I think if we if we want to understand why people for example, vote or become part of this uh, party uh, or neo-Nazi organizations, we have to ask ourselves why. And um, I think it really starts um, with uh, people being unhappy about how things are currently going. Um, in East Germany, for example, um, the standard of living was completely destroyed after the collapse of the GDR and after the industry in the GDR was completely plundered uh, and uh, everything was stolen by uh, West German companies. Um, there was, I mean, it was a horrible, horrible situation where millions uh, lost their jobs um, and East Germany never really recovered from it. Um, there's Until today, there's a huge uh, difference in, for example, uh, wages, in um, pensions, uh, in uh, quality of life. 
uh, work hours and all of this uh, has become much worse in um, after the financial crisis in 2008 um, because as a reaction to uh, you know the financial system collapsing uh, governments had to um, had to spend they they had to uh, rescue the banks and uh, they had to get the money from somewhere and so what we see all over the world was um, uh, cuts in social spending um, the attacks on the social uh, welfare state and um, basically uh, a lot of new liberal policies and in Germany that was that happened under uh, the name Agenda 2010 um, which was a plan uh, for to to reorganize the German state uh, to be much more neoliberal uh, and which uh, introduced um, something like, that is called uh, that was called Hartz IV, uh, Hartz IV, which was um, a program uh, for uh, unemployed people. Um, so that if they if someone was unemployed uh, or had lost their job, they could um, get Hartz IV, uh, and um, it was basically um, no. How do you say? Um, It's like so- social welfare. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a social welfare program, except that it wasn't welfare. It was poverty, and uh, people had to. If if you had, if you were under, if you were living under Hartz IV, uh, then you were living in poverty, and uh, it it's it was a really really uh, horrible situation, um, and that, that's one thing. Uh, another thing is that Germany was, um, and until this day, is the biggest um, low-wage, uh, like the biggest country in, in the European Union, which has the most uh, low-wage workers. I think like 10 million people in Germany, um, but I might be wrong with this, are um, are um, working for a low wage. Uh, so it, ba- it barely gets them uh, through the month, the, the the pay that they get for the work, and this this is all of this um, has um, laid the foundation uh, and has became ha- has laid the foundation for the rise of the AFD, um, because the, the 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 living situation for for a lot of people in Germany has become so much worse and. All of the major parties, the Chris Democrats, the Social Democrats, the Liberals, the Greens, um, they were all part of it. And so they they were looking for an alternative uh, for someone else. And in the beginning, when the AFD was founded in uh, in 2013, it was founded as a um, EU skeptical party, uh, which was... Uh, very liberal uh, in their economic policies. Uh, it wasn't like a, it wasn't the fascist party that it is today. But um, over the years, there were a couple of splits. A lot of the high functioners, uh, which were um, which were those liberals, uh, market liberals, they uh, left the party, and it became what it is today. It became um, right uh, this um, right way, far right 
um, party um, that um, spreads hate against uh, migrants and uh, gays, LGBTI. Um, but people, uh, the, the, the people, they, um, it's, it's, ju it's just that over the last two years, um, with the pandemic, with inflation rising, um, the situation has gotten so much worse for um, the people that they uh, go to, um, um, they, they, they vote for this party because they, they think they might change something or sometimes they don't even think that they will change anything fundamentally, but they think that if we vote for the AFD that uh, at some point the other parties will have to see that um, the people are unhappy and they will have to change the policies uh, and then they will go back to voting for the other parties. Um, so I think that's also part of um, part of the rise uh, of the AFD. Um, yeah, that, that's that. I think like not, of course it's a it's a racist and uh, it's a fascist party, but I think not all of the people that uh, vote for it are uh, racist or fascist. I think if there was a, a strong and solid leftist party. Um, then a lot of these people would vote for this left party. Uh, and I think the problem that we have in Germany right now is that there isn't a strong leftist party. There's a Die Linke, uh, the, the left, um, but it's it, it really isn't strong or solid uh, about its positions. Uh, it has watered down its position so far that it's unrecognizable. It's uh, You couldn't... You could, if, if you were comparing the, the programs with the Social Democrats, then uh, you couldn't differentiate which one's which. Um, so, yeah, it, it really takes, it really needs, I think it really needs a, a leftist party in Germany uh, and, yeah, to, to really show an alternative to, um, to um, how the situation is. And, um, yeah. There is, a, there is also a kind of, I think the lockdowns are often like overblown, like the COVID-19 lockdowns are often overblown in, in explaining kind of political shifts. I, I think it's a big factor, you know, like people people genuinely suffered under lockdown and their businesses failed and they, they couldn't work and, and they were left to kind of, to the kind of government schemes to help them out. And even those weren't enough and all this kind of stuff. And of, of course that, that kind of, um, heightened tensions and and turned the screw even more but this stuff i think has been building for you know i mean it's building because of fundamental contradictions in in how our economic system is set up of course but like since the crash and since the over the course of the 2010s we've seen this kind of worsening of everyday life you know rising mortgages lowering wages high inflation which is only getting worse and worse and all these factors create a kind of desperation amongst people they can't see any way out apart from a big sharp shock to the system and i you know take for example in the uk brexit for example which is which was a a vote that was you know kind of a, a, an attempt by by a lot of people who voted for brexit to get to kind of get people to try and snap out of this kind of situation that they've they've created for themselves um Anyway, yeah, my my thoughts. Yeah, but but I, I agree. It's um, 
it's it's just that you know there there isn't really an alternative, and so people go to the, go there where it most seems like it is an alternative, which in in this case are are the fascists. Um, but of of course we know that they don't really change anything uh, fundamentally about how this uh, economic system is going. Uh, they will probably uh, be even more aggressive in their uh, economic um, policies. But, you know, what, what else have the people to do? If they, they can vote, uh, all, all the parties that they can vote for are the same. They all do the same. Um, and either they don't vote or they vote for someone that uh, at least does something different. And of course, it's the, the, the different that we're talking about is being racist, being openly racist and homo and transphobic. Uh, but, you know, they, they, they don't really see a different way out of it. And I, I'm one last thing, and I'm, I, I, I always hate to do this on the podcast, and I do it every episode, is I always bring up the, the books, we the, the things we've written out in our books. And I don't mean to, but also um, we kind of wrote that, um, uh, you know, a lot of what these far-right parties that are vying for power are offering to the people is really just an intensification of established liberal policies, you know, like the border regime, for example, Fortress Europe, um, this, these kinds of, like, ramping up of, of law and order and, and prison industrial complex and all this kind of stuff, which is, you know, fundamental to the workings of capitalism, and they'll just, their, their proposition is not like a revolutionary alternative, it is a let's do this but more let's be even more racist let's be even more repressive to migrants and other people um who can be excluded from the society and from the from kind of protection of the state as well so i think that's that's a good way of thinking about the kind of connection between these liberal institutions like the eu and and political part liberal political parties and these far-right um so-called alternatives yeah, and, you, and you can really see sorry i just, I just want to add, add one thing uh, and you can really see like my my whole point is that uh, the the all of the you know the 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 fundamental parties are the same. Uh, they do the same policies. They do the same stuff when they're when they're in the government. They do the same stuff, uh, but they they don't they act like there's no problem um, in how things are going. Um, they but but the AFD for example. Uh, they they blame someone like they they don't offer a solution for how things are going or how things could be better but at least they blame someone for why things are so bad and of course as i said it's uh it's the migrants or it's the it's lgbti people uh, that are being blamed for it or it's teachers or whatever um but you know they they blame someone they make someone responsible for why things are bad and of course it's it's wrong uh but no one else does anything no one else acknowledges that things how they are going is uh that that things are going bad or that uh, something needs to be changed that, sorry that was just uh my my addition to what i said before no 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 this is fine we can we can hammer this point as much as we want we'll just spend the rest of the episode restating what we're saying right yeah. now and i think that would be useful uh <laughs> okay so another example of this kind of looking for an alternative i think is the kind of what's come known in germany as the reichsberger movement i i think i probably said that wrong but you know whatever um which is you know grown in popularity throughout the 2010s 
Um, and again, we see a kind of searching for an alternative, searching for an alternative, like for a, a villain to blame and a, a, a proposed solution, whatever, however fanciful or conspiratorial that solution may be. For people who don't know, what are the main tenets of the Reichsberger movement? I, I kind of, when I describe it to people, I kind of compare it to the so-called sovereign citizen or freedom of the land kind of thing in in the in the UK and the US, but it has a much more of a kind of harking back to the glories of the German Empire and, and this kind of thing. Yeah, it's uh, it's really weird because I think there's a lot of um, overlay between uh, uh, Reichsburger, how you pronounce it in Germany, and um, like conspiracy theorists. Um, most of them, I mean, of course, you can you can separate them, but there's a lot of a lot of people from both uh, like from the Reichsburger and from um, conspiracy conspiracy theorists would uh, would probably be be both, um, and a lot of it comes from uh, uh, there's um, a lot of a lot of the people say a lot of the Reichsburgers say that um, Germany now is a is a company. I don't know exactly why, but there are somewhere in some register or some, I don't know, text paper or something, there was um, somewhere was written uh, Bundesrepublik German, uh, Bundesrepublik Deutschland, so Federal Republic Germany, GmbH, uh, which um, it's uh, it's like something similar like uh, LTD, uh, Limited, if you would write it behind the company. And that's why they claim that Germany is now... Uh, not a country or a state, but, uh, but it's a company run by the Americans, um, and that therefore you know they can they can separate themselves uh, and make their own country, and you know stuff like this happens where where people they uh, put some paint on the floor uh, and act like their house is now a sovereign country and uh, part of. Uh, and and that's why why they they are called Reichsbürger is because they um, they say the 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 Federal Republic of Germany um, is, uh, is, is is fake. It's a company. It doesn't exist. So we go back to what we had before, which was uh, Reich, uh, an empire. And that's why uh, why why a lot of them are, are going back to oh we are part of the Weimar Republic or even before the, the German Reich or whatever. Um, yeah, and you know they, it it, it it is kind of similar to um to the people uh, you said before. I already forgot the names, sovereign man or something like that. Uh, sovereign citizen, freeman of the land. Yeah. yeah, I mean in the UK, there's a lot of is a similar kind of kind of uh, close reading of historical legal documents and, and and laws. Yeah, you know in the UK we have this thing. You, they say that your birth name is is not your your name on your birth certificate is like not your legal name and you can separate your identity and become your own person from yourself as a legal you know citizen and then it's all this thing about admiralty law and yeah it's a similar it's a very similar concept yeah. i think yeah i think you would have that in every country like people just uh just you know thinking that or wanting to to uh create their own state like they would print their own currency make their own passports and everything it's uh it's just you know it's it's different in the because of because of different cultural and social backgrounds and everything and history of the country 
but it's I think you will have that in every country and in every country it will be kind of similar those people will most likely have uh, some overlay with conspiracy theories saying that uh, you know it's the Jews that control everything uh, or yeah something like that it's uh, yeah yeah um, the reason I'm asking about this this Reichsberg movement because if it, if it just stuck to like people painting borders around their house and saying that, that there was their own country I'd be like cool pop off um you do you you know you have your fun um but you know there was a there was a kind of quite a particular dramatic expression of this movement which was this um this kind of exposure and this mass arrest um in relation to a a coup a a plot of a coup d'etat um which happened in december quite recently december 2022 um in which you know you know tens of people were arrested there was this group called the council were, were kind of um part of or adjacent to the reichsberger movement were trying to overthrow the german state and had connections to the military and the police so for people who have forgotten or, or don't know what was going on what just quickly what happened with with this with this kind of supposed coup yeah it's uh, really interesting and really uh scary um but what what happened was that um there was a big police operation in um December 2020, uh, I think 5,000 police officers were involved all over the country and they raided um, about 130 different places and arrested like a little bit more than 50 people. Um, and it was, as you said, it was like, it was, a, it was a group of, some of them were Reichsburgers and some of them were fascists. Um, but it was, you know, a group of, people with very different professions like um some of them uh were from the police some of them were soldiers or ex-soldiers some of them were from the special forces um there was one uh guy who was um selling weapons uh, legally um there were lawyers and what was most interesting was that part of the group was a judge and an mp or like a former MP, and she was, uh, her name was um, Birgit Malzak Winkelmann or something, and um, she was a, a member for, of the AFD and the MP for them in uh, 2018, I think. Um, and that was like a big scandal in Germany. I mean, not only you have uh, a group of uh, 50 people and later it turned out uh, that the group was actually double the size, uh, and like a couple of days later, they arrested, uh, I think, another 50 people or so. Um, but, you know, they, they raked this group. Turns out one of the one of one of the members is a not only a judge, but a former MP. Uh, and like they were uh, stockpiling weapons. They were preparing. Um, they, they were making plans, like, as you said, for for a coup to overtake Germany. Uh, they were. Uh, assigning people for like uh, who would be uh, in the government, who would be taking what uh, ministerial posts, who would be leading what institutions, blah, blah, blah. They were setting up even um, even uh, brigades, like uh, army brigades. Um, and they were spying, like checking out um, different, um, I don't know what it's, what it's called in English, but like army buildings where soldiers are stationed at. Um, yeah, barracks. Uh, like to use as headquarters and everything wild thing um 
but uh, I mean, it's it, it, it's scary that uh, this thing has been normalized so much uh, because rates like this, they happen every couple of months in Germany. Um, and it's it's scary how, how normal it become how normal it has become uh, and how fast people forget about this um, because a couple I mean in, in Germany we have the situation that like every couple of weeks um, there's a there's a big scandal or like it isn't big anymore and it isn't a scandal but there, um, there there's news that oh in this city uh, new uh, whatsapp group was uncovered where police officers were um, being racist or like sending hitler pics or um, i don't know they, they they were making plans or just 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 sharing like their right-wing fascist um opinions um and like then like every half a year or so you have a you will have a have a news uh, report uh, that says oh, you have this many right-wing extremists in the German army and no one does anything about it and it's and it's crazy because uh, it's like we're we're at a point where uh, munitions explosives weapons even like machine guns they they you know supposedly get lost and uh, I think I think like the German army has lost over like hundred thousand um, rounds of ammunition, like small caliber ammunition. Uh, they lost a couple of m machine guns, and you know you don't lose, you don't just lose a machine gun. Like these things get stolen by by fascists. Uh, we're making plans to, I don't know, maybe not to overthrow the government, but to, uh, but but maybe by fascists who are preparing for if it comes to like a civil unrest in Germany to kill leftists and what's like the the craziest thing of all happened a couple years ago five years ago or so where a network was uncovered within um the german army and the german special forces um it, it was it wasn't really by it wasn't an active investigation it was just like by coincidence that this was uncovered where a guy from an, an army uh, an army officer i think he was uh, arrested because he planned um, a terror attack and they found that he was part of some weird te uh, telegram group which was called um, ostkreuz or nordkreuz so like north cross um, turns out there's a whole network of army officers special forces um lawyers police officers blah 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 uh, which are like kind of preppers kind of reichsburgers um and they are making lists of po politicians that they want to murder they are um, making safe houses they are stockpiling weapons stockpiling ammunition fuel uh, they are buying cars um uh, their secret meetings um and you know th this 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 network had like a couple hundred members uh, and was linked to like a, an illegally, um, um, how do you say, um, not, not community center, but um, 
like an association. Um, and this association was made up, it's called Unite, UNITA. Um, and they were involved in really weird uh, rituals where they were declaring people as knights and, uh, you know, a whole bunch of secrecy. Um, but they, for example, are working, they, they um, I remember that they sent, um, it, it was kind of set up like a company, or like, not a company, but um, anyways, they sent special forces, uh, so some guys from the German army special forces were part of them, and they sent them to the Philippines uh, to work together with um, the um, special forces in the Philippines under um, Marcos. Uh, and they were like training the the Filipino special forces in their um, struggle against the the communist um, guerrillas in the Philippines, um, and like all of this was uncovered. There was a you know a big big scandal at the time, um, and nothing really happened. Um, the people who are involved in this, I think. The, the highest uh, prison sentence that they got was like a year or half a year or something. Some of them got suspended um, for their offenses um, as a result as, as a result of this and of some other crazy stories about the German army special forces. Uh, like they had some crazy uh, rituals where they were throwing around uh, pig hats and like seeing Nazi songs, doing Hitler salutes, swearing on... Um, on the um, swastika flag and everything, uh, the special forces were uh, disbanded. Um, but you know, it's 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 not like these people are in prison or something, or they were discharged from the army. They are just in different units now, and uh, not nothing happened. Uh, and you know, this has been going on for years. Um, and I, I, I'm not joking, like this, this sounds like it's made up, but really it is so that every other week there's a news report in this city. As I said before, in this city, um, you know, this police station had a WhatsApp group leaked where they, where they were saying, oh, next time we're going to see the leftists, we're going to beat them up, um, stuff like this. And yeah, it's uh, crazy how... how the media isn't talking about that or uh, how, how, there, how there isn't really any consequences on this. And it really, like, if you, if you compare this, uh, this huge dangerous situation that we have with um, fascists preparing uh, in Germany um, and also all over Europe uh, with how they treat uh, anti-fascists, like now we come back to, to Lina E., um, and the, the antifas from, from there it's wild because they, they, they beat up like 13 guys or so and they uh, they are treated like they were about to drop a nuke on Germany or something uh, while the fascists who are stealing weapons who are you know pre actually preparing uh, and not only preparing some of them are even doing the terror attacks like they they killed a politician uh, of the Chris Democrats uh, a couple of years ago. Um, they killed nine guys in Hanau uh, in 2019. Um, 
you know, they, 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 there even was a time in that in 2014, 2015, where every day there were multiple um, like arson attacks uh, on houses where refugees were staying at. I mean, it's it's crazy. Every day, like literally every day, four, five, ten uh, attacks on places where refugees stayed. They tried to to burn them alive. These are like pro, uh, pogroms, and nothing no, nothing happens there. Crazy. It's wild the situation in Germany. I'm telling you. <laughs> uh, yeah, and we're actually coming to the end of episode, so we're going to leave that on that quite depressing note. Um, but it, it is what it is. That's the situation. Um, so like I said, we'll, we'll leave some information about how to support anti-fascist in Germany in the show notes. And obviously, Pavel, if you've got any links that you can send me, I'm happy to include them as well. Um, and uh, yeah, thank you very much for this really informative interview. Although it is really depressing. It's really important to for people to understand what's going on in Germany, especially since it's, you know, it's, designated as the EU's kind of leading member state and and has such an importance within Europe as well um that it's really important that we as as anti-fascists outside the outside of Germany in the UK or elsewhere understand what what is what is actually going on so thank you very much Pavel thank you for having me and of course I mean you you can uh you can if, if you're if you finish hearing this you can um be depressed about it but there, I think there's there's no point in being in, in doing so. I think the the only consequence that we should have is uh, it, it sh- like the, the only consequence that we should take from from knowing this is uh, to realize how much more we need to do, how serious the situation really is, not only for for us but for for everyone, and that it takes much more dedication, much more work from us. Um, and that we really need to try to do everything to um, to build a force that is able and build organizations which are able to uh, oppose uh, the fascists and will be able to stop them. So, um, yeah, thank you for having me. Uh, it was really nice um, to talk uh, with you about this. Um, yeah, thanks. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. Hello, and welcome to We Will Remember Freedom, a monthly podcast of anarchist fiction. I'm your host, Margaret Kiljoy. Hello, and welcome to Live Like the World is Dying, your podcast for what feels like the end times. I'm your host, Margaret Kiljoy. Hello, and welcome to the jingle for both of my podcasts. I'm your host, Margaret Kiljoy. You can find my podcasts wherever you get your podcasts or get them from the Channel Zero Network.